What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, global market turmoil and maybe an oil price war due to continuing concerns on the coronavirus. It matters how much fear it's created in the marketplace. Investor Jason Trenner. You have to treat it a little bit like a bank run. How to contain the spread, former head of the FDA, Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Large quarantines and, and lockdowns like what they did in Italy and China won't work here. We're well past that point because we now have this seated in multiple U.S. cities. And what's next for oil after its steepest plunge since the Gulf War? Hedge fund manager Kyle Bass. The one cure for $25 oil is $25 oil. So uh, it won't stay here for long because none of the producers make any money at these levels. Those stories and more. I don't know if I'm hoarding yet. I bought dog food. Bought a lot of dogs. <laughs> I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Monday, March 9th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Our guest host today is Jason Trenert from Strategus Research Partners. We are watching the U.S. First up today on the podcast, Crude Reality and crude prices. And you don't see moves like this very often. The global price of oil plunging today, falling after OPEC failed to strike a deal with Russia over production cuts. That means the cuts currently in place will likely expire at the end of the month, giving oil-producing countries free reign over how much they pump. On Saturday, Saudi Arabia slashed its selling price for April, and the kingdom is preparing to raise its production. As you'd imagine, big oil companies like Exxon and Chevron here in the U.S. started trading lower. And this pressure caps off two weeks of volatility in the U.S. markets. This is a situation where you had OPEC and Russia, yep. who had been, the OPEC Plus, as they call it, who had been cooperating for a long time. Uh, finally, Russia said, forget it, we're not going along with this. And in as part, result, the Saudis are saying, I okay, think to stick it to us. Well, to stick it to everybody. Like, we're going to pump tough to pump. make money and chill, but, but nobody's a real swing producer. If anyone is, it's not, it's not Saudi Arabia anymore. No, but that's what I'm saying. I think that was right. to stick it to us. I think what's weird is that this is supply, but it was caused by by the the specter of demand right. going down. Yeah. So, but this is definitely a supply thing. But everything we're talking about in China, all of it is their supply components and demand components. That, but what uh, you've been watching in WTI up to this point had been completely the demand and the concern about how demand, demand. is going but to then drop the, off. The thirty percent drop is purely Saudi. Just look at where we've Russia. come. From. It's amazing. Um, and someday we'll look at it and. It's not a silver lining, but, man, things are going to be cheap at the pump uh, pretty soon. Um, not falling there quite as quickly. No, they never that's going to make like it when, easy, though. No, it's not. It's a, it's a reflection of demand right. globally, which is going to fall, but it's also that there is a supply. You know, immediately... 
people were saying it's going to be tougher to transition to all your ESG stuff uh, with $32 oil. People are Look, I think it's going to be tougher to transition to all the ESG stuff with stocks down, pressure on demand, pressure on supply, pressure on everything. I mean, you could argue all of our ESG conversations were, I don't want to say a market bubble um, conversation, but conversation. when, when things Duncan. are going well, you can, you can right. make change. When things are not going well, gonna, it's going to be a lot harder. You going to spend all of this money for carbon tax, for carbon right. taxes and everything else that goes along with it. What, with Delta, when you're watching demand collapse. 100%. I mean, so 100%. You know, it, it, this is real and it's bad, and it's real bad. But the end of the world only happens usually once. I think it can only happen once. But we are, you know, there's going to be some things on the shelves where you're like, wow, I can't have that anymore. Wow, I can't. So all the millennials that, that are like, wait, I can't eat here. There's no vegan stuff. I mean, that may become less important as we go. All this stuff that millennials have, oh, my God, I can't log into my app. My, my life is ending. All these things. I mean, we have had it pretty good for a while. And I'm not saying we're not going to. Uh, but um, I think the next couple weeks are going to be reality. I bought a few things. I've bought a few things. I admit, uh, and you, hoarding, it's, uh, you mean? I don't know if I'm hoarding yet. I bought dog food. Bought a lot of dog food because <laughs> no, we think, go through that really quickly. Not us, but no. I think we're we're. It hasn't come to that. Not yet. We're going to talk about what's happening in Italy, but I think I don't want to say that's coming here soon. But I think there's going to be parts of the country know. where that may be coming here. soon. You're right. I saw a. South Korea mortality rate where they have the best testing and the best mortality rate, and it's 0.65. Their, their testing has been pretty phenomenal. Right. So it's somewhere between 0.1 and 1.0. It's not 3.2, which would really... Uh, Neil Ferguson has I, I think an, an if interesting you, If you piece look at the too. global numbers, look, you have to remember that you're, you're also looking at an area where people can get a lot of health care. I think the higher right. incidents are in areas where they don't have the same sort of quality of health care. Right. There's some... At Germany, how many how many fatalities? Very few uh, in Germany. Early yesterday, Italy's government took the extraordinary step of locking down much of the northern part of the country, restricting movement for about a quarter of the Italian population. It's the most sweeping effort outside of China to try and stop the spread of the virus and is seen as sacrificing Italy's economy in the short term to try and save it from the worst of the virus. Claudio Lavanga joins us right now with more on that. And uh, what can you tell us this morning, Claudio? Good morning, Becky. Well, uh, the uh, coronavirus epidemics in uh, Italy is really taking a toll on the economy here, which was already lagging behind compared to the rest of Europe, and it was still recovering from uh, the recession 10 years ago. And now it is taking an impact to the point that uh, today we saw the stock market in Milan, the FTSE MIB, dropping by 10%. Even now, I just checked it, it's about minus 9.8%. Of course, is uh, similar to uh, other stock markets across Europe, but certainly uh, it is one of the worst performances out there. Uh, for now, well, the uh, uh, Prime Minister of Italy, Giuseppe Conte, last night, uh, aware, of course, of the situation and how bad the impact can be on the Italian economy, said that they are planning to um, introduce a shock therapy in order to counteract the effect by the, from the coronavirus to the Italian economy. The shock therapy includes, right now, uh, something that was presented by the uh, economy minister uh, a couple of days ago. They said that they're going to inject uh, at least 7.5 billion uh, euros, that's $9 billion, into uh, the economy in terms of investments and so forth. And also, uh, they are planning to increase the budget defi- deficit goal to 2.5%, up from 2.2%, with the help, of course, of a more relaxed uh, European Commission restrictions. Becky? Claudio, if you, um, if you look around you, does it feel different there? You're not in the lockdown, pe- play. You're not in the lockdown areas, but how does it feel where you are? 
Well, even if you're not in a lockdown area, the whole nationwide, they close down uh, museums, they close down archaeological sites. Right now, I'm at the Colosseum. Usually this place is bustling with people, especially on a beautiful sunny day like this. And this is the start of the tourist season. There's really not many people around because the word has spread that the Colosseum is closed, the Forum is closed, and all the museums are closed. And this is one of the sections of the economy that are being really battered. I mean, tourism, there's been a massive drop in the numbers of people who are visiting Italy, and we don't know when this is going to end, Becky. Claudio, thank you very much. We appreciate the update. Simeon Hyman is global investment strategist at ProShares Advisors, and our guest host, as we have mentioned, is Jason Trennert of Strategus Research Partners. Um, so, Simeon, what, what are your words of, of wisdom this morning? And whenever we are you know, in a period like this, we hear... You know, just keep calm, keep, keep your wits, look for opportunities. Is that what you would say this time, or, or is this time where you'd say if you get any bounce at all, maybe you should lighten up? Where are you? Well, there's what do you do in the midst of this, and then there's how do you position yourself to get, uh, as we hopefully get out of it at some point, which we always have. As you said, the world only ends once. Going forward, the biggest uh, correction we've had in a pandemic over the last X number of years is Zika, which was 12%. And markets have been up six and 12 months hence after just about every pandemic that we've had. So well, the piece I was referencing with Neil Ferguson goes back to H1N1 and, and the swine flu and, and looks at comparisons there. But most people are saying this is a 50 year uh, virus. This isn't maybe it's not a a hundred year, but it's a 50 year virus. So it's not like Zika. It's not yeah, like think, SARS. I, it's I, not like MERS. It's like these things. Well, we don't. I don't know. We don't. But it's not. It doesn't matter whether we know it or not. It it matters about how much fear it's created in the marketplace, and therefore how much supply shock and how much demand shock there's going to be. And to the extent there's credit in the system, how systemic that ultimately becomes. Right. It almost doesn't matter. I don't want to. I don't want to. Debate the, the health issues, and I, by the way, there are people, there's a very polarizing issue. Scientists on both sides have lots of different views. But I'm just suggesting that there seems to be, I think there's a decent chance at this point that there are going to be some systemic real issues in our economy here. As yeah, because you know, imagine the world shut down for a month completely, but reopened unscathed. The, the impact of markets would be uh, single digits. Correct. But there is collateral damage, and that's why we're waiting to hear more fiscal policy stimulus. I mean, Eric Rosengren came out and said the Fed should be buying things perhaps other than other than treasuries and things like payroll tax holidays and things that we're seeing. Uh, China obviously does it, but Italy's announced, South Korea's announced. I mean, you have to do something to right. tide companies over. When do you do that? Bankruptcies. I think my own opinion is you should start talking about it now. Uh, my own opinion is you're also likely to have a slingshot in both economic growth and cyclical shares in the second half of the year. Hope, that's that's a hope, but uh, there are some credit um, there's some credit knock-on effects, particularly I would say in the energy sector more than any other sector. Uh, by the same token, there has been already a fairly vigorous response on the part of the Fed. You're going to see more, and I'm convinced that you're going to see more fiscal and regulatory stimulus plans coming out of the administration. Those, Jason, you, you think the Fed's going to cut more, or I think they ha- I, I, I think they have to, because, mainly because financial conditions have tightened or are continuing to tighten. So where are the biggest problems? Biggest problems are largely in the fact that financial repression and, a, and a pushing interest rates down globally by central banks, the irony is that it's created a debt problem. You've created a vacuum in which a lot of marginal companies can get access to credit. 
Those so are how does cutting rates again fix well, that problem? It, it, it just slows things down as far as the financial markets are concerned. The financial markets don't make things worse for good companies. But, there but has basically to, you're saying they should let the tide stay there so nobody sees who's naked. Yeah, I think they, for the time being, there's no, you're, you're already here. There, there's no sense but, you're trying you know, to. If I told you that I was going to announce that, I was going to announce I was going to, uh, you know, bolster the airline somehow, some kind of bailout, and I was going to do unemployment insurance for 99 uh, weeks, and I'm going to, I mean, you can come up here with your yeah. list. Payroll, payroll employment, I, I would say a payroll, payroll tax cut would, tax would make cut a lot of sense. holiday, right? Yeah. You do all of those things. I know what the market will do. I want to know what you think the underlying economy does. Well, it, <laughs> I was in Italy three weeks ago. I can say it was business. You were I, where? I was in Italy. I was been in, in the last three, three weeks, weeks. I've been three in Italy. Three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. Italy, three weeks. What part of it? I was in Milan. I was in Milan and Lugano. I came back on February 4th. You were in Milan. I was in Milan. I was in Lugano, which is about an hour away. I was in Australia. Uh, wait, a week and a half no. after that. Wait a second. And, where have you? Okay, excuse me. So, where thank you so much for being here. Well, hey, we listen. Appreciate you, you, your time. Where else have you been? You so I've, I've been to Australia. I've been to Zurich, Milan, and Lugano. In the past. Uh, in the you past. In the, you've been home sure. a week and a half from Australia. I've been, I've been home a week and a half from Australia. Make sure he gets enough. I've, I ta- I've taken my temperature. It's fine. I, I, I honestly, I, I have to say, there's a little bit. Obviously, given what the markets are, are going through. It's understandable that people are, are nervous. By the same token, I, I think we have to keep things in some sort of perspective in terms of... I can say three weeks ago in, in, Italy, in Italy, it was business as usual. There was no problems. It's now, not today. You, you are peaking. Yeah, but <laughs> Jason, you, that's the point. It's you, not today. No, we don't but you're, prob- you're probably likely peaking, I, I would argue, in terms of the, what, the, what the policymakers in Italy have done, particularly in, Lombard, in the Lombardy region, um, you're probably going to peak in the next week or two. That would be my opinion. I guess the question, I becomes, I don't know. I guess the question becomes, do we see measures like that here? There, there are 10 million people who are under quarantine now or who have been told know. that they can't go about business as usual I, in, I, in I, Italy. Oh, I, 16. I, Is it more? Yeah. I saw that. We were talking about this off camera, but the political issues will be a little tricky. You know, if you look back at the Great Recession, you have people that say, oh, yeah, auto, auto bailouts were great. Bank bailouts were evil. And, and I think that coming it'll be the lag from fiscal stimulus in terms of the politics that will be the challenge here but i do think if we get something meaningful that's the most important thing because most companies just need to be if they need help just need it temporarily but it's a political you know it's a little bit like i I would agree it's a little bit like it you have to treat it in my opinion a little bit like a bank run which is to say the confidence competence visibility on the part of policymakers is very very important i'm not right. minimizing well, the, the I, so health. I thought a lot over the weekend about bailouts because this is you know i spent yeah. all that time in 2008 thinking about all this since then for 10 years and the problem the conundrum that i i face every time i think about this is i don't think i could give these companies enough money just to necessarily, depending on what kind of company they are. You're talking about cruise lines, oil yeah, companies. To, to somehow ultimately solve the problem. I don't think I'm going to solve the problem until, I, until there's a vaccine that people believe in. I don't think it... People, it's not, it's people, not even that. It's, people it's needed the money in the banks to, 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 to create the confidence. I'm not sure that you get the confidence unless you have the medicine. I would just say there's, there's a, dramatically different, uh, a dramatic difference between a systemic problem with the banking system right. And yes. a systemic problem in airlines and cruise lines, which are ex- they're extremely important, a- actually could be a big hit 
Once there's a vaccine, though, in my opinion, you're not you're, you have a dead weight loss. You're not going to make up. Only going to be ready for the next the next season of this. Uh, I, I think a, it's a, it could take us well, eighteen months to get the no, vaccine. It's not, not months. Longer. It's it's well over a year. Probably say eighteen months. Right, I eighteen months. Eight, so eight 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 months we're not going to. Then you're. I mean, I doubt whether we're going to be on pins and needles. No, I think for the bigger months. question is, can you get the testing so you just get your arms around how big of an issue? Got to do that, and they're trying to do that. I'm still hoping that the China model. Is, is maybe not replicate, re- replicable exactly, but I'm hoping that th- there is a way to cap it so that it, it peters out and it doesn't become well, millions so, and millions. But here's the question. Because you're at 105,000 right. globally right now. You're not at, you're not at 100 million. But here's the question. Let's say you just said you were going to effectively shut down all business in the United States for two weeks. Right. Let's say we're going to have an incubation period or whatever it's going to be. or, or Everyone's down for two weeks. Right. At the end of those two weeks, would have you solved the issue insofar as we have relatively open borders? If other people then come in, you could restart the whole thing. I mean, that's that's the great conundrum about this particular issue. And it's what is it? It's, it's March. We don't seasonally we don't, we don't, we don't know, know how that's going to work. Singapore, not. people have pointed out that it seems less. Uh, we'll see. The, the, you know, one of the, the other things that's good about it is, is children seem like they don't even, right. you know, they, they barely notice. If they, either they don't catch it or the symptoms are so mild you don't even notice it. They're just the, carrying And that's, yeah. That's the, right. But, you uh, can make the argument, actually, for most people under the age of 50 or 60 that it's actually. Please go to 60. It's well above that. It's, it, you, that, that the the that, problems that, are really 70 and above or 70 even and above. 80 and above. And it's also if you have underlying conditions. Yeah, underlying conditions. The underlying condition of when you're 80 is you're 80. No, that, uh, that's the guess that yeah. a lot more people have it, but the mortality rate is much lower. Right. All right. All right. Thank you, Simeon. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Straight back from his world tour. <laughs> Next to you. Uh, okay. Uh, I feel fine. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, there's a 14 day incubation period. Will be next. next on Squawk Pod, the former head of the FDA on the health measures that will stick after coronavirus. Just like after 9-11, security was put in place, but some of it never went away. Some of the steps that we take now will be in place for a long time. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you, Simeon. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Straight back from his world tour. Next to you. Uh, okay. Uh, I feel fine. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, there's a 14-day incubation period. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, the former head of the FDA on the health measures that will stick after coronavirus. Just like after 9-11, security was put in place, but some of it never went away. Some of the steps that we take now will be in place for a long time. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This is Squawk Pod. There are now over 1,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in over 100 countries, and so far 3,900 deaths worldwide. 
Italy, Iran, and South Korea are among the countries most affected by the outbreak. As you heard earlier, Italy has taken logistical action to keep its population healthy. In the U.S., case numbers have more than doubled over the weekend to greater than 540. Numbers are expected to increase as tests become more available. Andrew, Becky, Joe, and the CNBC reporter heading up our coronavirus coverage, Meg Terrell, spoke with Luciana Borio, former director of medical and biodefense preparedness at the National Security Council, and Dr. Scott Gottlieb, Pfizer board member and former FDA commissioner. Here's Andrew. Let me start with you, Dr. Gottlieb, because we've been talking to you now for the past several weeks. But this weekend, uh, it feels like this uh, whole situation, both in the United States and and also obviously in Italy, has moved uh, to a new place. This is a new chapter here. Yeah, I think we've reached a predictable tipping point where there's going to be a rapid acceleration in cases here in the United States. We still have a narrow window of opportunity to implement tough mitigation steps that could prevent a very large epidemic in in the United States. But we're losing time, and we need to start taking more aggressive steps right now to try to contain the large outbreaks that are in probably multiple U.S. cities right now um, to prevent a broader epidemic and try to get to a point where we don't exhaust the health care system. The goal is to try to make sure that the peak of this epidemic, and we are headed for an epidemic here in the United States, doesn't become so large that you get to a point where you've exhausted the healthcare system. And that's what happened in Wuhan, China, when they, when they exhausted their healthcare system. That's when you saw a rapid acceleration in the fatality rate in that region. So what does that look like, though, just so we understand? What it looks like is um, widespread school closures in areas of outbreak, um, closing businesses, closing places where people gather indoors, like movie theaters, shutting down large events, asking businesses to have workers tele- telework. But you also have to step in with assistance, not only to assist the localities and the states with money from from the federal government, but also people who are going to face significant hardships from these measures. We should do this up front as an inducement to get localities and states to take these tough actions. We're going to end up with a massive fiscal package, a bailout on the back end of this. We are better off using that money up front to help buy some of the actions that we need to mitigate this epidemic rather than spending that money on the back end after we've had a very large epidemic. We'd be better off spending that money now to induce the kind of actions we need to see. Scott, where, where are we talking about? Areas that are affected, obviously, that would be um, Kirkland, Washington, but are you talking about Westchester, New York at this point? There's uh, many outbreaks all over the place. Yeah, it's broader than that. I mean, we, there is the potential that if we don't take tough measures right now, we could be looking at tens of thousands of cases in the United States. That's not unrealistic. If you look at the number of cases in Italy and Singapore, and you apply that over our population, you're looking at tens of thousands of cases in the United States. We have multiple areas that are dense population centers where you could see widespread transmission. So should it we looks be like- going to school and work in places like New York City and Westchester? And other, just very broadly, should these things have already taken place here or no? Well, the good news is businesses are implementing mitigation steps. I mean, the private sector really has been leading here, trying to engage in social distancing and reduce um, the opportunities for rates of transmission. It looks like there is a large outbreak in Santa Clara, California, Seattle. New York might have a large outbreak. There's going to be outbreaks in multiple U.S. cities simultaneously. That's why we're well past the point of containment in the United States. Um, and, and large quarantines and, and lockdowns like what they did in Italy and China won't work here. We're well past that point because we now have this seated in multiple U.S. cities. It won't so- work here. Okay. Uh, Dr. Scott, hold on for a second. We want to get to Dr. Borio in just a moment, but I know that Meg Terrell has a question that she wants to jump in with. Meg? Oh, Andrew, thank you. And Dr. Borio, it's a question for you. I'm just wondering how you would assess uh, the testing capacity in the U.S. right now. We are seeing commercial companies now coming online. How are we doing? Uh, how would you assess the messaging from the government on that? And where 
where do you expect us to be by the end of this week? Well, so the good news is that uh, today I believe the, the commercial developers, the big ones, are coming online and the capacity is going to increase significantly. The bad news or the good news is that we're going to be able to find a lot more cases that we know have been circulating in, the, in America. And uh, we're going to see how steep this epidemic curve is going to get. We are just in the beginning of this epidemic here, and the numbers are going to accelerate dramatically. Dr. Borio, in, in terms, though, of, of how quickly we can get even the testing done properly, I'm looking at some New York, New York numbers, by the way, uh, not to make this uh, selfish about us right here, but, you know, over the weekend we went from 49 cases to 116. Um, what multiple do you think is actually really out there right now? Look, it's very difficult to predict, but I know that it's already too many for us to delay implementing measures to mitigate this epidemic. It's very critical, as Dr. Gottlieb has stated, to be proactive and take measures to increase social distancing. Uh, th this virus is circulating broadly across the United States. Even states that have not reported yet are likely to have cases. Right. So it's important to do everything we can to enhance social distancing. Now, the degree with which we implement those measures may vary from locality to locality based on the number of cases. And the way I see this is a lot more like a shutdown, a partial shutdown, but not a lockdown. We should not be talking about lockdowns in America. Do you think what happened in Italy was the right decision or wrong decision? Again, I, the way I see this here is that we need to, the, the goal is to have social distancing. A lockdown should not do anything to, to uh, enhance social distancing for the population that is right. under lockdown. So the goal is to uh, apply our technologies, apply the innovative systems we have. Uh, the business have been very proactive in that to, to improve social. And individuals have a role to play, too. It's very important. Everybody has a role to play. Individuals, uh, it takes some responsibility to make sure that they do not go right. to work if they're sick and to stay out. Uh, and avoid crowded places, Do travel, cruises, et cetera. D Dr. Yeah. Gottlieb, uh, you're in Washington right now. You live in the tri-state area. How are you planning to get back? <laughs> I'm going to fly back. And look, but I'm taking precautions. We will get through this, uh, and we're going to look back on this one day and say that was bad, but we will get through when this. When you say you're taking precautions, what does that mean? Well, look, I'm, I'm being very vigilant about touching surfaces. I think, I think a good portion of the spread here probably is through surfaces and not just respiratory droplets. I'm not taking past things on an air, airplane. I'm not taking things from the stewardess like cups and glasses and food. Um, so I'm being conscious of my, my personal hygiene. Uh, I'm the last to board. So I'm doing things to try to avoid contact and engage in social distancing. And these, these behaviors practiced on a mass scale are going to have a significant impact on transmission here and help reduce the rate of transmission, but it needs to be led by the public sector as well as the private sector. What about we will get offices through this. where people share computers and desks? I think things should be clean. You know, we're going to start implementing heightened um, requirements for hygiene in offices and workplaces and also deep cleaning. And some of this is going to last. Some of this won't go away. Just like after 9-11, security was put in place, but some of it never went away. Some of the steps that we take now will be in place for a long time, and that's probably a good thing. We're going to maybe have reduced flu seasons because people are going to be more vigilant about hygiene in workplaces and other gathering places. You know, the one thing I will say that's very interesting, I flew this weekend. The airlines have done nothing to step up practices on the airplane. A stewardess was not wearing gloves. They weren't passing out personal hygiene products like Purell. You know, if the airlines are worried about reduced volumes and want to inspire confidence in travelers, they should be stepping up the measures 
guaranteeing that they're doing deep cleaning on airplanes and not requiring There's passengers no way to they wipe can do down. deep cleaning when, when you turn around a flight that quickly. I mean, you well, watch how quickly they, they turn those things. Maybe they happen. have to add more time so that they can wipe down seats better. But if they would step forward and tell the public that they're doing that, maybe the public would feel more confident about getting on airplanes right now. After 9-11, they stepped up security, and that helped inspire some confidence to get back on the airlines. They've done nothing, absolutely nothing that I've seen that was visible to me. Do you think that people broadly should travel? I don't think we're at the point where people should shut down their travel right now, and I don't think we should ever get to the point where we cordon off parts of this country and prevent people from traveling. I do think people need to be more aware of being in crowded uh, environments. And on an airplane, it's not the air quality that worries me. I don't think this spreads easily through the air on an airplane. I think it's more of the touching of the surfaces and the unclean surfaces uh, and passing things back and forth between passengers, which Starbucks did to stop refilling cups that people bring in for their own coffee, the barrister. That's brilliant, because what would happen is someone would bring in their dirty cup if they maybe had coronavirus, give it to the barrister, barrister would touch the cup and then touch the next 30 cups. If all businesses thought about steps like that, simple things that they can do to re reduce transmission, we could really have an impact on this. But we need leadership. We need to be talking about these things in a systematic fashion. We also need a systematic approach to when localities close schools, close businesses, cancel large events. We need to be all working off the same kind of playbook. Dr. Gottlieb? Luciana, thank you both. Coming up on Squawk Pod, hedge fund manager and notoriously outspoken investor Kyle Bass. If you're asking for when the uh, financial markets see peak virus, I think it'll be about a month from now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. This next conversation you'll hear is with Kyle Bass, founder and chief investment officer of Dallas-based Heyman Capital Management. His firm focuses on global, event-driven opportunities in the marketplace. Bass is arguably one of Wall Street's biggest China critics, making headlines recently for a Twitter spat with the editor of China's state-run newspaper, Global Times. His investments are closely watched in the business community, in large part because he predicted the subprime mortgage crisis leading up to the Great Recession. Here's Joe on Squawk Box this morning, kicking off our conversation with Kyle Bass. Kyle, you have a always have a, an, a, a global look at things, and you have areas of the world that are already over leveraged and very sensitive to something that might happen. Is that where you want to start? What, where, wherever you want to start, you go ahead. We'll just, we just want to listen to, to, to what's on your radar this morning. 
Well, good morning. Uh, I picked a hell of a morning to come on. But uh, I, I think that uh, going back to your questions about oil, you know, being here in Texas and knowing a lot of these uh, producers and, and a lot of the people that move, move oil around, uh, one thing that the, that the Trump administration has been doing and what Kushner's job has been uh, catting around the Middle East is to get oil prices lower. I don't. Th I think they needed to be careful what they wished for. I think they don't realize that anything below 40 doesn't work, and um, he he definitely achieved his mission in getting oil prices lower. But uh, as we all know, an, a number of U.S. unconventional shale production uh, is going to end up bankrupting itself. And the one cure for $25 oil is $25 oil. So uh, it won't stay here for long because none of the producers make any money at these levels. And then what will the collateral damage be of, of, of oil curing its own problem at 25, but in terms of uh, corporate problems and, and, and sovereign problems around the, around the world? Yeah, you think about the sovereign players that, um, that benefit from a low oil price, uh, like Japan, China, and any of the others that have very, very few natural resources. And then there are those that, that are going to be uh, hurt pretty dramatically uh, by oil being at 30 or 20 or wherever it ends up, you know, the regime in Iran is already dealing with the largest existential crisis that it that it's had with its uh, with the coronavirus running through the the ranks of both the, the leadership and the rank and file in that population. We think that that the um, the the extent of what's happening in Iran is being dramatically underreported. Uh, and so you have places that are, let's say, not so politically stable are going to go into a state of complete disarray. And I, I, think, that, I think that's also a problem geopolitically uh, going forward. Hey, Kyle, uh, maybe a broader question. What do you think is baked into the market right now in terms of how bad things get here in the United States and elsewhere? And, and as they relate to the virus? As they relate to the virus. That's what I, yeah, that's what I think um, we're all trying to understand this morning. What, 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 what the market is actually expecting versus what could happen both, by the way, on the downside and perhaps even on the upside, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, as we all know, this, this too shall pass. Uh, it's, it's our view at our firm that, uh, that the summer months will end up uh, burning the virus, uh, burning it down to where we see a, a decline in, in new cases once we finally get the cases tested. Uh, number one, I can't believe that we don't have uh, testing stations in every major city in the country. That, that should be an open and close issue, uh, that, like a canned approach to any kind of pandemic. And that's something our country should develop. But as far as what, what is factored into the market today, you see European markets down anywhere from 7 to 9 percent. Our futures are locked down 5. You know, uh, I think that our market has a lot of this virus factored in. Uh, when you look at where airline stocks are trading, when you look at cruise, cruise stocks or cruise liners, uh, when you look at uh, anything that, that has a, a large public presence like theme parks, uh, you already have a pretty significant recession priced into these stocks. So anything, that, anything better, any turn in the number of, of infections once we get everyone tested uh, is going to be a very positive event. Uh, the different, uh, I guess the question that we must have is how many of these companies have enough cash to make it through that, uh, that divide. And, um, you know, some of them do, some of them don't. But there, there will be some amazing things to purchase on the back end of this. We just, we as a firm hope and we as a country hope that we don't see a resurgence of the virus in the, um, uh, in the fall. Because as we all know, 
The thing that worries me the most about this is there are only about 940,000 hospital beds in the U.S. At any moment in time, there's 600,000 of them being used. There are 340 million people in the U.S. We can't have any kind of significant infection with any, any kind of acuity uh, here without having real problems with uh, the number of those that need to be uh, hospitalized. Hey, Kyle, you said that there would be big bargains to be had at the end of this. Are you, are you buying anything today? Uh, I do think it's too early. I think that uh, we haven't gotten around to even the first round of testing in the U.S. You have a number of cities that immediately declared states of emergency uh, that, that, um, that, ha- that really don't have any num- significant confirmed cases. I think you're going to see the ranks of the U.S. start to put up, you know, a few thousand confirmed cases uh, right away, and that's just because we're behind on testing. So I, I think peak virus, if you're, if you're asking for when the uh, financial markets see peak virus, I think it'll be about a month from now. So, Kyle, does that mean that you are selling into this? Um, I'm definitely not selling into this, but we are. Look, there are a few companies out there that are that are going to do really well on the back of this. I'll give you one example. Six Flags is a a theme park company. Uh, And these companies are are heavy in real estate. They have great operations around the country. But just like an airline, you can't have revenue uh, disappear when you have such a large installed fixed cost base. So those companies are going to be the most convex on the way down. They're also going to be the most interesting uh, value plays once we see uh, peak virus uh, infection rates. But if you think there's a month to go, what are you doing between now and then? Um, I mean, watch one of the, the most interesting uh, financial collapses that we've seen, right, in the last 15, 20 years. This, this isn't 2008, right? Our banks aren't going broke. Uh, But there will be places around the world that never recapitalized in the last uh, crash. You think about Europe, the ECB uh, never recapitalized the European banks. So if you look at where European banks are trading today and where they will be uh, in the next six to 12 months, Europe's going to have a real problem. Italy, uh, their banks are basically going to become insolvent very quickly. Italy's got north of 130 percent debt to GDP and they, they have no capital in their banks. And so what's mm-hmm. happening in Italy could be the knockout punch for Italy, i.e., either we're going to see a default within the eurozone in Italy or we're going to have to see the Germans. Germany will have to change the capital key and Italy. Uh, ECB is going to have to go in and okay. really help Italy and let them expand. Uh, and then the other the other economy at risk is Hong Kong, the most levered developed. OK, now we're in, in the, the area I wanted to ask you about. So China, we've had you on many times talking about the trade war. What is this? throw into the entire mix. Do you believe the numbers that you're hearing from China? Did they handle this and, and cap it? Should they be reopening the factories and, and theme parks and everything else at this point? Do you believe the numbers? Yeah, what, what, you, what you learn about the, the Chinese Communist Party is they don't care about their people as much as they care about uh, maintaining power. And I think they know that if their economy uh, stays too low for too long, that, it, that it's a crisis for leadership uh, from a power perspective. So they're telling people to go back to work uh, entirely too early. And no one believes any of the numbers coming out of, of China. And it's, it's interesting, right? The first thing the Chinese government did was they arrested the seven doctors in Wuhan that found this virus in the first place late last year. They not only arrested them, they forced them uh, to issue an apology. And then they, quote, punished them. God only knows what they did to them when they punished them. And somehow the WHO is lauding China 
for doing the right thing and, and taking charge of this virus when all China did was do a major cover-up for God knows how long. So I don't believe any of the numbers out of China, but what's most important is China's uh, banking system is three and a half times its GDP. You know, uh, Hong Kong's banking system is almost 900 percent of GDP, and their economy is off. So you've got what we're going to see is something worse than the 1998 uh, Asian crisis uh, over there, over in Southeast Asia. And I think the epicenter will be China and Hong Kong. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, So much to talk to you about. Come on back, uh, maybe even this week, so we can keep walking through this. Uh, we, we, We could use your sanity. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And say hi. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Clear. Thanks, guys. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.